Chapter 12 of Betty Baird's Golden Year by Anna Hamlin Weichel. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Holly Jensen. Chapter 12 A Gay Luncheon in the Little Shop. Betty chatted gaily with the old woman in the little shop. While she sat in a Windsor chair at a table by a window overlooking the deep valley which the winding river had cut for itself. The shop was perched on the very edge of the precipitous hill, suspended dizzily like a birdcage in a mass of green. The day was cool yet balmy, and all sorts of green things were shooting up. It was all young and all blithe, and the blue sky bent over the earth in a beneficent arch. The trees stood silent, yet it seemed to Betty that their silence was voluntary, a restful reserve that the babbling run might well imitate. The shopkeeper's grandchild, forefinger in mouth, came hesitatingly into the room. Betty caught her, and with merry ado, tied a bright ribbon on her hair, and a tiny one around the thick, grimy neck of Gwendolyn, the rag doll she held in her arms. This last favor quite won the child through her maternal pride, and she began to talk freely. By the time luncheon was ready, Betty and her small friend were exchanging confidences on dolls, and Betty insisted on her eating luncheon with her, that their conversation might continue without interruption. While they were enjoying the hot biscuits, which had been brought in nestling in snowy napkins, the savory smells of baking floated in from the back room. The pup, which had rushed from his home as Betty passed, and followed her barking and capering to the shop, now had his share in the luncheon. Through the open window came the voices of a multitude of birds, singing cheerily as they built their homes in the surrounding trees. Above them all she could hear the glorious notes of two wood thrushes from a small pine tree across the road. Betty's cheeks glowed in the fresh air that swept into the window from across the hills and deep ravines. "'Isn't it beautiful?' she exclaimed, turning to the storekeeper. "'Ain't it?' she agreed. "'And them wood robins do sing so sweet!' She fingered Betty's flannel dress curiously, and soon they grew to such intimacy that she asked Betty its price and all the secrets of its workmanship." How nice really human people are, thought Betty happily. Now I must go, she said, looking at the clock and finding that the manor house luncheon hour had passed. I've had a splendid time. She hurried away with the dog at her heels. The poor mongrel wanted to play and frisked and danced until she picked up a stick and threw it far down the road, where he put after it with a wild rush, bringing it back and laying it at her feet and begging with eyes and wagging tail and wriggling body for another chance. When she reached the house, she waved him homeward and walked up the pathway and sank down on the low steps. She heard voices in the drawing room and decided to wait outside until Miss Minturn should see her. She had carried the third volume of Lockhart's Life of Sir Walter Scott with her, and she began to read it. Feeling something tug at her dress, she found that the pup had come back and was lying at her side, having selected with fine discrimination the soft hem of her white skirt. She closed her book and commenced patting him, for she could not fix her mind on the wonderful life. The memory of a startling page of her own life possessed her. 
try as she would she could not throw off the incident of the portrait with a young girl's inconsequence she felt incensed at young mr minturne though what he had done she could not in all fairness put into words that would soothe the memory of her own rudeness she knew that his only offence was in being quite blamelessly of course madame minturne's grandson over against this damaging relationship there flashed before her his courtesy and fine bearing in a ridiculous predicament with a mirthless smile betty said to herself that she could well believe that he was not in the habit of finding girls standing before his portrait and addressing it with an explosive expletive betty knew that if it had been a girl she would have stayed through thick and thin to apologize but to apologize to a young self-possessed elegant man of the world madame minturne's grandson at the idea of meeting him again her cheeks tingled with mortification now i'll have to go home miss minturne or not how ephemeral my noble character has been betty at a loss sighed with a smile that was a mixture of rue and humor the absurdity of the situation appealed to her in spite of everything just then young mr minturne came out on the porch and stood looking quizzically down at betty and the dog betty could not restrain a look of dismay i see you have made an interesting acquaintance observed minturne assuming a casual air and glancing from betty to the dog the dog returned his look unblinkingly then with unexpected vivacity jumped to mr minturne's feet and begged to be taken up why what a cur you are to treat a lady so you have execrable taste he declared i own up that i feel a little disappointed at his treatment smiled back betty with an effort when i graduated a forlorn little dog came up on the stage and sat on my train my first train while i was saying my most affecting farewell words you knew the wretch asked minturne laughing heartily at the story oh yes he always followed me when we took our constitutionals oh he's going to pass it over how fine she thought then she felt her position indefensible and uncourageous perhaps i should apologize for intruding said minturne and i must apologize began betty quickly and her unpremeditated apology slipped out i hope you didn't mind being called a i mean i really didn't mean that quite i was just in a bad humor it did betty good to hear minturne's laugh she joined in and in that happy appreciative laugh all embarrassment was lost his wholly unegotistic manner of putting aside something that had worried her even though it had touched his pride and his easy way of making a joke of it reconciled betty to even madame minturne's grandson while they were talking miss minturne came out and proposed a horseback ride as the old people had gone upstairs for their afternoon nap betty asked to be excused for she wanted to write to lois oh lois i have so much to tell you she wrote i am writing with that perfectly gorgeous fountain pen miss minturne gave me at christmas sitting on a rock under a willow that leans sentimentally over a real brook just like those in pictures i can see across the valley where there is a background of gray mist that with the greens and yellows of the trees 
makes it look like some of the old tapestries miss minturn has at the studio now if miss minturn and the scion would only ride through the valley on horseback they've just gone out on two splendid horses the scion is superb on horseback it would make me think far-fetched of the canterbury pilgrimage i described everything in my letter to my mother the house it's a love of a place mr minturn and madam and how i almost threw myself into the scion's arms you know i brought the third volume of lockhart's life of sir walter you ought to remember for you hooted at me for doing it and as i sat reading it on the portico with madam minturn's shrill voice mingling with sir walter's nightly words young mr minturn came out for a breath of air which his grandmother is deathly afraid of he apologized for his intrusion and i kindly forgave him for coming out on his own doorstep then he said something about being seated it was so far as i could make out for i was not wholly at my ease apologetic too diplomatic manners i suppose not at all like jack who sinks down gladly without invitation or compunction and rises painfully and reluctantly when at last politeness compels him and i apologized for snob and he was just splendid about it but i'll tell you everything when i see you oh lois he loves scott as much as i do he knows every inch of scotland we had a glorious conversation i've never heard anyone talk as he did i told him about the little boy who came into the silver lining library and asked me for the lay of the last minstrel show by scott you should have heard him laugh he's one of those who can laugh heartily over a silly little thing and that makes you feel so easy and comradely well somehow you know lois i felt madame's black eyes piercing my vertebrae just then i turned around and there she was peeking out of the window at us now i'm going out for a walk then i'll come back and finish this i've just come back from the little shop and i'm eating some splendiferous cookies i found there you should have heard the way madame minturn said when i was introduced to her a working girl but i am glad i am a working girl i think so often about lucy larcombe's book where she tells of those splendid lowell girls who fifty years ago worked in the factories there in order to send their brothers to college and they did it oh why can't i help about our mortgage tomorrow we're going home and i'm glad but i do hate to think of the endless commuting i wouldn't have mother know that for the world yet i hate the thought that i hate it more than i hate it for it seems ungrateful to complain when one is as well off as i am however the atmosphere here is especially salubrious for grievances by the way the scion is an old friend of the king's and he says he believes he will visit them this summer so you will meet him end of chapter 12 recording by holly jensen